Welcome to Camden Cast. I'm Tanvi. And I'm Erin. And this is our Seventh Heaven podcast. On today's episode of Camden Cast, we will be talking about Season 7, Episode 19 of Seventh Heaven, the title of which is The Touch of Bink, Part 1, or Amazon Prime has it listed as A Touch of Bink, Part 1. Uh, I don't believe there is a German title. Uh, there is a German title. I told it to you. Care to share with the class? It's called The Q in the Paradise. Okay, very good. Also, it's that touch of bank, not the touch of bank, so I was wrong all over. Um, okay, so what was your first impression of this episode? Um, wait, what about the IMDb user synopsis? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I am terrible at this. Okay, so the IMDb user synopsis is... The church needs a new roof, and Chandler talks Eric into helping him ask a stubborn parishioner. She agrees because she needs some help as well. Annie finds out the twins are stealing money. Lucy and Roxanne go out for a girls' night. All of that is wrong except for the last one. So what was your first impression of this episode? Um, I actually thought this was an okay episode, but I kind of felt like a lot of the people in this episode were underutilized. Like, it felt like Simon didn't really have anything to do. He did not. Um, I also kind of felt like Annie was very much a side character in, what, Peter's storyline, I guess? Yeah, and she could have played a more prominent role, but... Um, There's no real space for it, though, when you when we get to Peter's storyline. And also, um, we've mentioned this many times, but anything having to do purely with the adults is something that we just really can't care about so and the majority of the storyline was about the rev chandler and mrs bink and we already have issues with mrs bink so many issues with mrs bink so all three of them together didn't mix well for us do much for me yeah for us paying attention or us really have anything to say other than like step it up seventh heaven please yeah um so in the cold open um everybody's at church it's a sunday um we're led to believe that this is, like, post-honeymoon, post-wedding, and it's the Rev's, I guess, big, like, church return. So he had his, his ret- normal Sunday service return. So, like, yeah, he returned for Lucy's wedding, and now he's back to just do the normal mass. Um, so, first, I wrote it down that I thought it was weird. Amazing Grace is the song that the choir is singing, and that's usually heard at funerals. So I was like, that's kind of weird for it to be at a n- normal Sunday service. But then the Rev kind of elaborates on it, and he's like... Oh, well, I was lost, and now I see, and I'm back to the way of the Lord. Um, And everybody's laughing at his jokes. Um, He kind of, like, apologizes to the parishioners and thanks his family for being, like, for sticking by him through this. And and Dr. Chandler Hampton Hampton for stepping in. Um, I just kind of had a question, which I guess gets resolved here in the beginning of this episode, was, okay, well, he's back now, so what's Chandler doing? Like, what's his point like he was there to kind of help the rev out while the rev was out sick right yeah but now the rev's back so um, i don't know job? help assisting with counseling and sunday service and i don't know maybe one day the rev can take a vacation now because chandler's there oh i guess that's right i don't know mm. um so during his sermon um lou kind of stands up and is like well you said what you had to say to you like to us but we have to say things to you and it's a weird speech about like apologizing that it's their fault and they should have not done anything but they like messed everything up and everybody's like laughing and it's all camaraderie and goodness and then the roof falls the roof falls in on the rev. 
and he's like, he makes some stupid joke that everybody laughs at about like, oh, I've heard people say that, you know, they were afraid the roof would fall in if they went back to church, but I didn't think I'd be the one to do it. And they all just like laugh and then the roof continues to fall in on them and then nobody thinks that they should get out of the building. Um, and this kind of leads to which, what is the main plot point, like the big theme throughout this episode is that the church needs donations in order to fix the roof. Um, I just like to say that there's like big chunks of the roof falling down, and that's something that just doesn't happen out of nowhere. Surely somebody looked up and saw. There had to be some like <laughs> there had to be some sign of decay, right? Like prior to this, and like somebody surely looked up and was like, "There seems to be a lot of cracks in the roof ceiling. <laughs> something should be done." But apparently, but no. They waited until it was actually falling apart to take care of it. So anyway, um, we're after the cold open. The, I mean, the first thing we're going to talk about is that storyline. Um, so the Rev is like, Chandler, so a few different things are going on. Yeah. Um, Lucy and Kevin are just so in love and, and Roxanne and Chandler show up to pick up their respective, um, people like Roxanne is there to pick up Kevin to take him to work and Chandler is there to pick up the Rev to take him to work. Um, all of the Camden kids it's like Lucy, Simon, Ruthie, they all see Chandler before the, the Rev is ready to go. And they're like, oh, what are you so excited for? And Chandler's like, I'm ready to get to work. we got to raise this money. we got to, you know, fix the church roof. And they're all like, oh, well, you've clearly never had to do any church fundraising before. And the, the Rev basically says the same thing. He's like, I can't believe you're so eager. You've clearly never done this before because it's going to be miserable. So they apparently go to, so they, not, not apparently, they do go to the queen of fundraising as their first stop. She's a, apparently the queen of fundraising, Mrs. Bink. Um, so we haven't seen Mrs. Bink in what is almost two years. Um, and I'd just like to say this is like another call. Like, uh, we also hadn't seen the Hampton, not the Hamptons, the Hamiltons. Hamiltons for about two years as well. So season seven seems to be a callback to people that we've seemingly forgot about. Uh, but Mrs. Bink is back. Um, and she, the Rev, and Chandler have like a meeting where they discuss fundraising techniques. Um, and while the Rev and Chandler go off on their way trying to get money door to door which they seem to be failing at making everybody angry uh, Mrs. Bink is succeeding but we find out what Mrs. Bink's secret is um, so we just see her making a series of phone calls and she is essentially blackmailing everyone she tells everybody that if they don't you know she's got dirt on everyone and if they don't give money to the church then she's going to reveal all of the information she has so that's her big secret she has we another also, big secret. Yeah, but while while Chandler and uh, the Rev are going door to door, I forget exactly how this conversation gets started, but the Rev um, gets the idea that something is up with Mrs. Bink. Like something happened while he was on like recovering from his surgery and on his extended leave from the church, and he understands that Chandler has some information that he does not have. And Chandler is like, "No, I can't tell you. She told me in confidence. It's a big deal." Um, so you're going to have to speak to her yourself if you really want to know, because I'm not telling you. So the audience finds out because in the midst of all the phone calls that Mrs. Bink is making, she gets a phone call instead. And it's from a nurse at the hospital, and apparently she's missing her chemo. Um, in the very next scene, we finally have her opening up to the Rev, after the Rev kind of prods and pushes a little bit. And we find out that she has cancer. But she's convinced that, or she's trying to convince the Rev that she's fine, she's, she's going to be in remission soon, like it's all going really well. Um, but we find out that she's quite alone, that nobody, like, she's... Nobody can take her to her her appointments. She's just, like, 
she's got nobody really to help her out with things around the house, getting her to appointments, etc. daily life activities that might become difficult when you have cancer. And she's like, she knows that the reason that people like give in to her fundraising ability so much is because they don't want to be around her and um, they just want to give her money and tell her to shut up and go away. So the Rev decides that instead of spending his time fundraising for the roof, he's going to try to fundraise, like, people uh, to help Mrs. Bink. So we have a series of more phone calls where the Rev is trying to get his parishioners to help Mrs. Bink, but it's not working out. They all have something against her, whether it be prior back blackmail or just general other... Distaste yeah. for her. Uh, but then, you know, Chandler kind of calls up and he's like, I'm here for to help you in whatever way. And this kind of like gets the light bulb lit in the Rev's head. And he's oh, like, ooh, I know. You're the, like, you're the person that's going to help Mrs. Bink. So we didn't know a, a lot about, well, we actually talked about this very briefly on a prior podcast about where Chandler is staying. Because again, he's hired by the church, so he should be put up by the church as well, like the reverend is. Um, and we, we find out in this episode that he's staying at somebody's guest house. I'm assuming this is probably Lou's guest house. Um, I guess. <laughs> I mean, we, we're not giving anybody's name, but I'm just going to assume. We have seen, like, the front of the house he was staying in, but it doesn't, like, look familiar. No. Um, it's just, like, a mystery house. Yeah. So he thinks that he's, like, kind of uh, extended his stay too much at this guest house and feels like he... Like, can he stay at Mrs. Bink's? And, the like, the trade-in would be that instead of getting rent, that he would, like, drive her places and help her around the house and just be company for her. And this is perfect for both of them. Um, and, yeah, so this is the new thing that's happening. Yay! Yay! I guess. Um, so, yeah, that's really it for the Rev Chandler and Mrs. Bink. Um, we're going to go on to... Lucy and Roxy. Mm-hmm. So, all season long, we know that Lucy and Roxanne have been at each other's throats. There have been episodes where we think that there's going to be some reconciliation at the end, but at the very like beginning of the next episode, they're at each other's throats again. But it seems like suddenly, post-wedding, uh, Lucy... She's just in marital bliss, so... and she doesn't care about Roxanne anymore. Or she doesn't hate her anyway. Yeah. She actually seems to actually care about her now. Yeah. Oh, she's yes. You're you're right. Actually, she seems to be like buds with her, and she's like, I need to check on Roxanne, and she's hugging, like when she when Roxanne and Chandler showed up to pick up the Rev and Kevin, she embraced. You know, she gave her a big hug, and she seems to care about her. Yeah. Um, we think this all, this has a lot to do with the fact that Lucy and Kevin are having sex now, and so Lucy staked her claim on Kevin, and no longer feels like Roxy's like a. Or, I don't know, whatever it is. sex kitten, or whatever she called her. <laughs> and, um, yeah, which I guess has to do with the storyline as well. It's very clear that they're in love with each other, and they're very much in their honeymoon phase. They're constantly kind of all over each other, making googly eyes at each other, and talking about, like, the greatness of marriage. For Lucy especially, since this is the first time she's having sex, and Kevin, I guess, because this is the first time in a long time he's having sex? I don't know. I don't really know. Um... And Kevin's kind of being hush-hush about uh, the details of the honeymoon, and Roxanne really wants to know, whereas Lucy's a bit more, or a bit less tight-lipped. Yeah, um, so Roxanne and Lucy go on, like, this, like, pizza date, and Lucy apparently can't stop talking about how great the honeymoon was, and I guess all the sex they had, and it's all just 
great in King Kirk uh, land. Um, and it's like, it also seems to be kind of eye-opening for Roxanne. Lucy's like, I don't really understand how people can have sex with people they're not married to. Like, I don't understand casual sex, blah, blah, blah. We kind of see the light bulbs going off in Roxanne's head as well. We know that a lot of her storyline with Chandler has been her coming to to terms with the fact that, like, Chandler is the one for her, that they don't need sex in the relationship, that they can wait until they get married, that, like, this is something serious for her. Um, so yeah, it seems like they're both helping each other out. And by the end of the episode, we find out that they have a weekly girls night plan for Mondays with pizza. (laughs) Just pizza. And Kevin does not like the idea of them being friends. Yeah. So yeah, that's, I guess that's something we have to look forward to, especially because we did mention that nobody on the show has friends. (laughs) Like. (laughs) True. Yes. So finally, Lucy has a friend. It's weird. Um. I I mean, I like it better than her hating Roxanne for no reason, so... Yeah. Uh, it's just weird how, like, they've really bonded over talking about Lucy's honeymoon, which sounds like the most disgusting thing I've ever heard in my life. Sorry. Yeah. And it doesn't really seem like friendship, more so, like, Roxanne, like, getting off on listening to somebody, like... Because it, it, we didn't have any conversation happening with, between the two of them. It was mostly just Lucy talking at Roxanne. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Um... A little, I guess, what's supposed to be a fun storyline, but really is just annoying as hell, is the twins. Uh, so, yeah, like we said, everyone's trying to get this money to fix the church roof. That's pretty much a lot of the episode for all the people who were kind of just glossing over. Everybody is bringing checks to the Camdens. Um, Simon, Cecilia, um, Ruthie, they're all saving their money and, and giving money to Kevin, help repair the church. Kevin gives a check. Yeah. Roxanne gives a check to... Chandler. Chandler, yeah. So, um, the twins' whole bit is that anytime that somebody leaves a wallet somewhere, or, like, Simon has, like, money on his desk, or, like, Ruthie leaves, it's, it's, like, small, small potatoes money. It's, like, a few singles and, like, change that they're taking. They go in, and they take the money, and they add it to their piggy banks, which they eventually come and present to the Rev, who is like, where did you get this money? And we learn, like, and we, we've seen them steal from... Cecilia and basically just like a few dollars here and there. Uh, and at the end of the episode, they apologize to each of the people they stealed from, they stole from. Sorry, and that's really it. I mean, fine. <laughs> like, like whatever. I feel like you could have done something where like we had Simon using his money know it all to get money for people. Like you know what I mean? Or like, like Simon realizing that money's going missing. Yeah, like something else that was I feel like Simon's always been the money man and this was a money episode. So yeah. why not have him do something instead of giving it to the twins? I don't yeah. know. Um so I want to say that this isn't the main storyline but for me it was because I don't give a shit about the Rev and Mrs. Bing. I think it was because the entire point of this being a part 1 episode even though from what it shows on Amazon there is no part 2. Um this was really the only storyline that like bridges the gap between this episode and presumably the next one. Unless like something's going to happen to Miss Bink, Mrs. Bink. Oh, well, who knows? Too bad. Um so this starts with Ruthie's kind of fed up. We mentioned that Lucy and Kevin are in their uh, honeymoon phase, and when she opens the door, she sees Chandler and Roxanne making out. So she's like, I can't do this. I'm going to have breakfast at Peter's house. Um, and as she's walking to Peter, she's seeing that Peter's walking away from his house. And uh, we find out through Peter telling, Lu- uh, telling Ruthie that there's a new man in Paris Petrowski's life. Y2K fashion break. Uh, Peter is wearing a Jinko uh, jeans hoodie 
and Ruthie is wearing a denim jacket with like a white button up shirt with a, like a little like tie a la Avril Lavigne. But then like a yellow skirt. But then she's, yeah, the skirt kind of ruins it um, because it was kind of all pulled together pretty well except for the skirt. Uh, anyway, moving on. So. Um, so Paris has a new neighbor. The Petrovskys have a new neighbor, and the neighbor seems to have taken an interest in Paris, and he's basically been at the house every day, and he apparently spent the night, the last night, and uh, Peter doesn't really like him and is upset about that. And we kind of get a glimpse at, of him. He's played by someone. A person <laughs> who is somewhat... He was like on. He was. He's been on a number of things. He's been in a lot of TV I think it's shows. Like his, I think he his looks name is Michael Ross or something. I think that's the actor's name. That was name. the name of our professional responsibility professor. <laughs> no. um, Too much information. <laughs> who he looked like. But <laughs> that's true. He did. <laughs> he did kind of look like him. Um, but anyway, um, he's been in. You mentioned he was in Secret Life of the American Teenager as Morgan, but he's also been like. He was on Mad Men. He was in CSI, like multiple different incarnations of the CSI he was shows. On Jag. Um, he was on Homeland. He was he was in Mystic Pizza, which I think was like a big role in Mystic Pizza. I don't know. I've never seen Mystic Pizza. So yeah, um, he so uh, and we meet him, and he seems to be nice because he's offering Peter a ride. Uh, but for some reason, Peter is completely against him. Uh, so Peter, as an act of rebellion against his mom's new boyfriend, uh, decides to not go to school. Uh, this gets Paris and Annie talking on the phone, because Paris is like, do you happen to know where my son is? And she says something very weird. She's like, I was kind of hoping... That, she was like, I was hoping that if Peter was missing, he'd go missing with Ruthie. It's like, that's, don't, please don't wish somebody else's child yeah. to go missing. Um... But Ruthie, through like a series of events, Ruthie ends up telling Annie, who ends up telling Kevin, where Peter is, and Peter is at the movies. Um, so Kevin picks him up and takes, he's like, I have to take you back to the Camden's house because your mother's at work. Uh, Peter's really angry. He's like, who told you I was here? Ruthie, she's such a rat, blah, blah, blah. Um, so Peter is really angry at Ruthie. Um, we find out that the reason that Paris really likes this new guy um, who whose name is Dick. <laughs> yeah, they. I don't think that they were messing around here at Seventh Heaven. I think that they did this intentionally. Was because he's taking like he's doing a really good job of taking care of her. And there's a, we he, learn he has a lot of money. money. Yeah, he has a good job. Yeah, I don't know. He's he goes over every night and he is like comforting takes, her or whatever. We find out that he like mows a lawn. He cooks them dinner. Like he does a lot of like really great things. And Paris is really enamored by it. So but, at first glance, it's like, well, what's wrong with this guy? Yeah, Annie. Annie is like, Annie's like, maybe you're moving a little too fast. And she's like, but I just want to be taken care of. <laughs> so I mean, don't we all, honey? Don't we all? Um, also, want to talk about very briefly. There's a bunch of phone calls in this scene, and Seventh Heaven is taken a page out of PowerPoint with its... Um, Transitions, yeah. yeah. It's like, I can't it even explain it. It's like a curtain, yeah. sort of, like it slides across. So like when the phone call is over, or when one person, the person on the right side of the screen has finished saying like their piece, the screen just like slowly slides over. It's kind of like, a, yeah, like a curtain closing yeah. on that person, and you, you, the other person on the line comes like full, full in frame. But the thing is, it's very jarring when you're, like, watching the episode. Because I feel like when you're watching TV, you're kind of, like, in the tele... Like, you're into the television show. But then when you see that weird transition, it, like, takes you out of it. And it kind of takes you out of, like, the experience of watching the show. Which it did a mul multiple times in this episode. I don't think they've done this before, either. I think this is a new technique. This is a new technique, yeah. Um, so, yeah. 
please stop. Don't do that again. <laughs> um, so Peter comes over to the Camdens with his dog. Remember, he has a dog now. Thanks to Ben. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Ben. Um, and basically... Peter, he he called he he's face to face with Ruthie and he calls her out and he's like, "You're such a rat," blah blah blah. And she's I hate like, you. and she's like, "Look, I, you knew I was going to tell them anyway, and I was only doing it for your own good." Uh, later on, when Peter's home, we find out he's grounded for two weeks, and we have Dick uh, kind of come in and be like, "Why don't you like me? I really like your mom." And Peter's just like, uh, "I just don't understand why you like have to do all these things. Why are you trying to impress us so much?" And Dick doesn't really listen because he is like, oh, I know I know what I should do now. Let me donate money to the church. And the- so Peter goes over with his own donation of his allowance. Paris has written a check, and uh, Dick has also written a check. So he gives the Rev those checks, and the Rev looks at the one that Dick wrote, and he's like, oh, he's got, he's got this kind of money to spend on, like, the church roof repair or whatever. So we gather. It's a big check. And Peter's like, what do you think of a person that tr- spends that, that much to, money? Yeah, just to impress someone. So now, like, while Aaron and I are watching this episode, we're very, like, there's nothing that's been done so far that we're very much like, ooh, he seems shady to us. He kind of just seems like a normal dude that is, like, you know, like, falling for this woman. And and he's got the money to spend, so he's like, I might as well try to impress her with this. Like, nothing nothing untoward has happened yet. Nothing un- malicious has happened yeah. yet. But then at the church, it all... <laughs> it all unfolds, and we learn Dick's real plan. So Dick shows up at church with uh, Paris and Peter, and he kind of turns to Peter when Paris is talking to Annie and gushing about the fact that Dick's there with them, that, like, don't try to do anything else to, like, mess up my chance with your mother, and your dog will be out of the house. And next thing you know, you'll, you'll be, be out, out of the house. house. And that's when it goes to black. Dick's says, evil plan to be, be continued. continued. So, yeah, there we go. He's really a dick. <laughs> that's that's what it is. Um, we don't but we have no idea what his motivations yeah. are or anything. It's just like out of nowhere. He seems like a perfectly normal guy for this entire episode. And then in the last minute, he's like, and now yeah. to, to reveal my plan. Uh, yeah, we have no idea where this is going, which kind of is exciting because it's um, like not the, it's near the end of the season, but it's not the end of the season. So who knows? Well, there's an element of danger. Anyway, so what are you rating this one? Um, you know what? I'm going to give this a four. Huh. I think I'm going to give it a four as well, because it kept, well, the whole thing with Dick kept me on my toes, yeah. really. I forgot I, about it. Yeah, because I, I was kind of rooting for Dick, because I was like, oh, I want him to be a nice guy. I want them to be proved wrong. Yeah. But everybody was, like, against him. Peter, Ruthie, the dog. <laughs> The dog knew he was a bit... Maybe that's how Peter knew. Because the dog didn't like him. The dog knew. And we know Ruthie's a psychic, so... Yes. Speaking of, there was a review... Of this episode. That, like, really kind of, like, gave it a very low rating that said that he... Like, the reviewer said that they really hated the fact that Ruthie was a know-it-all. And you know what? I disagree with you, reviewer. And if you disagree, We're taking or, a stand against yeah. re- anonymous reviewers. <laughs> and if you disagree or agree with us about any of our opinions stated in this podcast or any podcast that we've uploaded thus far, you can get our attention by uh, emailing us camdencast at gmail You can reach us on facebook.com slash camdencast. You can reach us on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, our handles are at camdencast show, um, and you can. Uh, 
Um, that's it. Listen to us. Yeah, listen to us. Um, new episodes are uploaded twice a week on Wednesdays and Saturdays, and you can listen to those on the Apple iTunes podcast app, soundcloud.com backslash CamdenCast, or on the Stitcher. Um, on Stitcher, yeah. Um, I'm Erin. I'm Tanvi. This is CamdenCast. <laughs>